Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine. This is the podcast for wine professionals and also for professional wine nerds. And in today's episode, I'm very, very happy to introduce to you François Thomas Bon. He is president of the CIVB, which is Conseil Interprofessionnel du Vin de Bordeaux. Oh man, I'm dying. I'm butchering this. It's the professional association of the Bordeaux winemakers and also responsible for the Bordeaux market. Marketing and Bordeaux.com, the website which also helped me tremendously getting lots of interviews. And with Francois, I have a huge behemoth of an interview. Like it's super long and it's super interesting because uh, as president, he's very, very active in uh, making Bordeaux sustainable and as winemaker as well. So we do not uh, only talk about the Bordeaux in general, but we talk about his winery. We talk about uh, changes in the use of herbicides and pesticides in Pomerol. We talk about greenwashing. We talk about monoculture and we talk about sustainable wine growing in the whole area. So this is a very, very, very interesting interview. Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine. In this podcast, we explore the foundation of business success in the wine industry. And we also take a look at global game changers, such as changing climatic conditions, changing customer behavior and demands, emerging and fading distribution channels, and many topics alike that affect winemakers everywhere. My goal is to collect regional answers and strategies and spread the ideas worldwide. My name is Diego. I'm a wine marketing consultant specialized in the strategic brand positioning of small and medium-sized family wineries. I have a background as trained winemaker in Rheingau area, Germany and a degree in international wine business. This podcast is my contribution to the wine sector that I love so much. Enjoy it in the vineyards or in the cellar or while traveling as winemaker or sommelier. And don't hesitate to contact me. You are listening to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals. This episode is presented to you by WinePlus. WinePlus is a German-based platform for wine professionals from all around the world. It is written W-E-I-N dot plus, W-E-I-N dot plus. And all the episodes of The Art of Selling Wine and my German podcast, Wein Verkauft, are available in early access for the WinePlus members. It's a free membership, so you don't have to pay and you get two weeks early access to any episode. The Bordeaux series is also powered by Amorim Kork. Amorim Kork is partner of my German podcast and therefore they enabled me to do this whole endeavor in Bordeaux. And if you are currently looking for a new supplier of high quality cork, I recommend taking a look at Amorim Cork. And if you understand German, I also provide a nice German episode. I think it's number 62 with Gerd Reis. He's the CEO of the Northern European division of Amorim Cork. And we talk about the renaissance of cork and the future of closing, closing systems for wine bottles. This whole series, the Bordeaux series, was made possible by a German company called Euramobil, Euramobile, you would pronounce it in English. They produce high-quality mobile homes and they provided me, meaning my wife and me, with a mobile home just for the trip to Bordeaux. And if you are interested in these kinds of things, I highly recommend 
going to the Art of Selling Wine episodes 4, maybe 5, and taking a look at our travel diary. In that episode, we talk about all the funny things we <laughs> got to see and uh, got to do in Bordeaux and all the accidents we had. And also, I give you a brief overview about the mobile home we were in and how living and working in a mobile home actually turned out to be. Additional partner for the French series is vitisphere.com. Whenever you want to find out about what's going on in French wine business, I highly recommend visiting Vitisphere. They are very helpful to our industry in France. The Bordeaux episodes were also supported by Bordeaux.com. It's the website of the Bordeaux Wine Growers Association, CIVB, and they supported me with giving me access to many, many, many of the interview partners that you are going to get to know in the following episodes. Yeah, and today I'm having two glasses of wine with François Thomas Bon. He is the owner of Chateau La Grasse von Razard, and he's also uh, elected representative for the winemakers in CIVB, in the Council Wine Production of, of Bordeaux. Wine Production in Bordeaux. And uh, there he is representative for a special topic. And uh, this is what makes him so interesting and uh, what we will actually talk about today. But uh, he can explain a lot better who he is than me. So uh, please go ahead and uh, tell the people what you do. So my, my first activity is to um, manage my winery with the rest of my team. So I, I make uh, some um, uh, Saint-Emilion Grand Cru and some uh, Côte de Castillon, some Bordeaux White and some Bordeaux Rosé uh, with, my, with my wife and my team. Um, so I'm uh, a winemaker and um, I'm working also for the rest of the... Um, uh, for the for for the rest of the vineyards, so I'm um, I've been elected by the vineyards and the wineries and the wine merchants of Bordeaux uh, for being uh, um, uh, one of the two co-president of uh, the technical commission of the CIVB uh, Wine Council of Bordeaux. So uh, it's um, a part of the uh, council uh, which is um, invested in. Uh, um, technical research for tomorrow, for today, um, the environment, uh, of course, which is one of the, the major uh, topics uh, of the last 20 years, and also uh, working on the uh, uh, sustainable vineyards for um, our project of uh, RASC in French, which is uh, Responsabilité Sociétale des Entreprises. Um, so this is approximately and shortly my, my activity. <laughs> So you seem to uh, have a bit of experience in technical winemaking. Well, like every uh, winemaker, I think I'm still learning every day. <laughs> we we need to be very humble in front of our, our job. Uh, but the uh, 2022 will be my 30th harvest. I, And I'm still very young, I insist. I, I will <laughs> give you a lot of congratulations for that. And uh, before we go into the deep topic, uh, let's go a bit uh, in more into your life as a winemaker and get to know you. So um, just a few days before, I was introduced to a very interesting concept. And it's um, it's a viewpoint on a winemaker's life. So uh, if you take a, a surgeon, for example, they cut and do the surgery and they do this thousands and thousands and thousands of times so they have 
lots of tries to learn and as a winemaker you have something around about 40 to if you get old 50 harvests you do in your life and so you say you already had your 30th 30th harvest uh, can you can you explain how each how, how you changed your perspective on winemaking from harvest to harvest i mean there's always you have to find your identity as a winemaker then you have to grow your business and there's these different phases in the life of a winemaker that can be described in harvests so tell me a bit about your harvest life it's it's a funny and um, um a deep uh, a deep question for uh, for every people who like and uh, actually are in love with their job because uh, um, you know, when I started, uh, like everybody, I thought I was knewing everything. And um, when you get maturity and experience, you realize that you still don't know things. But when you start, you think you do. So <laughs> life is bringing you um, the capacity of being autocritic with a, a deeper um, conscience of being uh, uh, more more ready and uh, for apprehending the uh, details of your jobs. So uh, wine is one of those jobs uh, where every detail is taking its importance for the for the next steps. So uh, uh, the, the vintage who uh, which are carried by the experience will be um, impacted by this attention on details um, to make some premium wines. While when you start, you, you can't look at those details because you're concentrated on the major parts of the winemaking and the wine growing. So um, I guess it's going uh, with a sort of pairing with our maturity, you know, as, as human being. Because um, when you look at your job, um, you actually realize that vines actually need loads of attention and those attentions are brought every year, but every year uh, will be different as well. So uh, um, I guess no human being can live long enough to get the best experience for winemaking because mm. um, as long as you have 10, 20, 40, 50 vintages behind you, all of them are different uh, one to the others. Uh, for many reasons, but majorly uh, because of the weather, of course, and because um, things are carried to be different during the picking, during the winemaking, etc., etc. But uh, uh, this is a part of the, of it because you you can add to that experience also, you know, the evolution of your consumers, uh, uh, your involvement into your job, uh, which is winemaking which is, you know, I think a job which needs to be loved and carried with lots of passion. Um, you have to be uh, this attention and passion guy regarding very closely to what people are expecting you to, to give to them. So we, are, we need to live from our winemaking, we need to live from our, our activity, but we need to bring pleasure to our consumers. That's very important. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, if we are carrying this consciously, um, uh, very um, uh, honestly with ourselves and our methods uh, we have to be able to improve or to change with the time with our consumers so the wine and the vines are making you different every year but also your clients <laughs> yeah I uh, you mentioned one point that I would like to go a bit deeper in and you said uh, 
when I understand you understood you correctly, that um, the mature, maturation process of the winemaker can be uh, also seen as a shift of focus on the details what you focus on. So um, when you begin, you just try to get the process right and not produce too much vinegar. <laughs> um, and so uh, maybe you can talk about how uh, the the details shifted that you focus on. What do you focus on right now? What did you focus on 10 years before? And so maybe we can try and understand the evolution of you as a winemaker uh, in terms of details. <coughs> Pardon. So um, like uh, uh, the bakers, uh, like many um, um, arts of, of, um, of uh, food and, and, um, and uh, product bringing uh, uh, well-being moments to any of, uh, of us. Um, when you start, you, your first target is to make the wine. You know, you're picking the grapes at the right moment. You've got to make sure that they get transformed in wine and not vinegar, as you said, or whatever sort of uh, hydroalcoholic solution, which could not be very healthy to drink. But um, uh, you make it when you start because you're not on your own. You've got the guys of the uh, precedent generations and you have, uh, uh, like in Bordeaux, we have a very... Um, uh, tense and uh, intense, sorry, uh, uh, numbers of uh, consultants who can help you from a, any kind, you know, famous, not famous, but the wine is the major agricultural activity here. So you have the choice and you have people to help you, but you will be concentrated on this stage of uh, your, um, your job. When you have the experience of that level of this um, winemaking, the, 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 the approximately uh, choosing the right period of picking, why you're picking at this date, which uh, are the elements who brought you to pick at the right date, if there is a right date, you know, because we, you could, uh, we, this is one of the things which could be great and something like uh, wonderful with our job is that your neighbor can have some vineyards very close to yours, very same uh, soils with the same grapes variety, and uh, he could pick three, three days later than you, and he's going to make a better and a worse choice. Who knows? Um, but um, uh, once you, you've made those general, um, this, I would say, general um, uh, scales, when, when you manage the scales, uh, the skills, sorry, not scales, um, so you, once you develop routine, yeah, it's a sort of routine. That's the right word. Uh, you will be um, attentioned on some details. You know uh, why is the bunch of grapes could not been brought without the leaves around them, so the lights of the sun is touching them. Uh, why couldn't we, you know, um, trying to clean up very tightly uh, the. Um, uh, the small growings after the pruning uh, on the head of the vines. Um, these are detailed jobs which come for uh, premium wines, but they also come when your attention to your job, because um, um, 60 or 70 years ago, you didn't need to be an engineer to make good wines or anything. Today, you still don't, but um, we are going further on, further on to manage the plant. And... The difference probably uh, in between my first vintages and today is that I will probably try to understand what's happening with my plants. Why could they make better grapes and not as good? Um, so your uh, 
wearing some pre-attentions uh, on some details which were not so priority in the past. So you're spending more time looking at things and um, you're also uh, getting very much worried about the life around uh, the plant because uh, no wine without vines um, and uh, good wines with good grapes. I would re resume the, the idea. Uh, we we realize, some of us today, that it's very important that the soils have life in the floor. Uh, microorganisms are needing uh, oxygen, I mean air, uh, they need some grass, they need some activity, uh, you need to have lots of uh, life in the soil, microbiological, but also uh, uh, micro-insects and things like that, which need to be really in activity uh, for obviously very good reasons like um, the capacity of transforming the nitrogen for example for the plant living but also uh, because it's um, helping the environment of the plant to uh, give her to give it opportunity to defend ourselves against the attacks of all the diseases or insects so um, today we realize that a sort of a balance I mean I'm working on the idea for a long time, but the, the, the deal is um, the environment of living around the plant is necessary for its health, not only the yield. In the past, 40 years ago, majority a majority of vineyards in the world were attention on the yield. The yield. It was the word. Because, of course, uh, yield are um, very sensitive when you're regarding the capacity of the wineries to live. So it's a priority, however... But uh, uh, you can look at the, lee, the, the yield with uh, getting pre-attention uh, on the things around, which is finally, in fact, defending the first point. So uh, uh, this is one of the points, for example, we are spending much time after a long period of experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's a, it's a uh, shift in, rather you could say, consciousness that uh, is really important to take the look not just at the yield but also at the environment and uh, that, this reminds me of a funny thing uh, do you know uh, david bohm he's a theoretical physicist and uh, I, I listened to his talks a lot and uh, the guy was really deep on philosophy and uh, he once said like humanity uh, behaves to its environment as as if the the person would say okay i'm a brain And I live in a body, and the body is my environment. And oh look, there's a kidney I don't need, so how can I sell it? Like this is the way uh, many people treat uh, the environment. And um, sadly, still many winemakers and many uh, farmers uh, do the same with uh, their soil and their plants. And I mean, uh, when we see the way of deforestation all, the, all around the world, this is it's just horrible. And um, so I think you are one of the uh, <laughs> part of the counterculture, a bit of the professional counterculture. Um, people will say, yeah, we do need the yield, but we also need the sustainability. And um, I bet this is part of why you uh, also work as uh, this <laughs> president of this field. And um, let, let's uh, talk a bit uh, about two things. Um, what do you think are the reasons you were elected by the other winemakers? Well, um, it's um, well. First of all, it's a very democratical um, approach. So um, the uh, in the structure of uh, the representative uh, professionals in the wine uh, uh, production in France is something very um, old. First of all, um, very structured in the past and uh, today. 
very complicated when you're looking at it from the outside because uh, I'm elected in the uh, um, uh, Conseil Interprofessionnel de Van Bordeaux, CIVB. But before that, I'm elected in some uh, local wine board like uh, Bordeaux, Saint-Emilion. Um, I also represent the um, AOP wines in Paris uh, for the Knauk which is represented in Brussels, etc., etc. So the involvement um, uh, needed uh, for our profession, like in any uh, professions, you know, uh, um, is necessary because today, um, not only because of the uh, European community, but also because our world is changing, needs to be um, in permanent evolution. And this is a little bit politic uh, when, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> when you, uh, well, we are talking about solid details here, why yeah. and how we make wines. And this is solid, this is concreted. Uh, it, it's, it's something we can touch, we can drink, we can laugh of it, etc. Uh, carrying your voice, uh, uh, which is supposed to be the voice of your colleagues around you who elected you, is something you have to do with conviction. And uh, I guess I'm just a convicted people. I'm not more, uh, I don't have more capacity than many of my colleagues. I, I just carry my job with passion. And uh, my word is probably um, uh, representing something very uh, central uh, of what Bordeaux uh, will think and will like to carry on. Um, especially on technique, we, my co-president and I, because my co-president is um, from the uh, wine merchant uh, activity, uh, we we are both, um, you know, um, very. The, the the technical part of the uh, wine board is something easier. It's not as political as the rest. Um, we can say what we think what we think because it's easy. We're not taking any risks, <laughs> except saying silly things uh, about wine. But we we can you know um, just carry the general interest. And the uh, general, uh, um, uh, the general ideas that our our other winemakers are needing, or I'd like to us to, to carry. The thing is that you can be elected also because uh, probably, uh, well, I guess I, I didn't get elected by English because my English is approximately correct, but uh, but majorly because um, you know I've tried lots of things myself in my wineries. Uh, in Entre-de-Mer, in Saint-Emilion, things like that. And people appreciate that because uh, it means that you're not stuck on one position saying, what I do is good. Or let's say something very political, do what I say, but not what I do. <laughs> um, we, we will be very careful because um, uh, I will be one of those winemakers who will say, careful because you think you're the boss in your, the, in your winery, but not, not that much, in fact. The boss is over your head, the boss is behind your clients, the boss is the climatic accident, and the the, um, um, the general heating, for example, will impact also your life. So uh, we have to be careful. So, um, uh, you know, it's a general balance of, of uh, for being a, a reasonable professional, I guess, which made me to be elected. <laughs> And uh, what caused the decision to go for this office? Oh, um, th that's that's another point which need, which doesn't need a very deep explanation. It's just that I I like being involved in in uh, community and things like that. Um, it doesn't mean uh, uh, 
I I really uh, am passionate to help uh, others, but um, I think it's necessary to realize that we can't do things on our own. So you are just a man of action. You can't help it somehow. <laughs> Uh, it's it's necessary to realize that Bordeaux is Bordeaux because we have 6,000 winemakers. It is not Bordeaux because you have Concre Classé only. You have a general idea of what Bordeaux is, but Bordeaux is wines with very good value and wines with awful, terrible high value as a very premium, high luxury looks product, um, high luxury products. So um, in between those two points, uh, you have thousands of people who do their jobs with passion. You have others You have others who probably don't, I mean, in like every activity, but um, we've got to be um, in capacity to uh, remember that uh, together we make the image of Bordeaux. So uh, uh, this involvement is necessary to be, to be elected anyway. And a bit of time as well. A bit of time is necessary to give, uh, uh, to be elected. <laughs> Yes, for sure. And time is uh, its just the word I needed from you. <laughs> You're a very, very good conversation maker. Um, so um, I'm also very interested in the entrepreneurial side of what you do here. And um, how do you spend your time? And how do you shift between running the businesses, selling... <laughs> And doing your representative work. Well, we we um, we spread our times uh, with a sort of um, uh, planification, which is necessary today because everybody is running, uh, which is something I, I deeply um, uh, regret personally. I think we are wasting a little bit of our lives by running all the time. Uh, we, we probably we could probably be as efficient with a different organization you know I'm, I'm this generation who started without the uh, we uh, in this case is it general about our generation or do you talk about your business no in, in general in general in general okay. my generation I'm, I'm 47 you know so uh, when I'm started I I, uh, I started without mobile telephone so uh, I started without mobile so that means that I I am I discovered my job without something in my pocket who's just ringing all the time. So you could, you know, get concentrated on what you do. Um, I, 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 I grown in my, I've been growing in, in this environment uh, of a winery, which was uh, a big winery. We were making over a million bottles per year, which is not the case in my actual winery today. Um, with people who said, uh, my workers used to say, let's stop working two hours at lunchtime because they're going to have lunch, they're going to have a little uh, sleeping, and they will come back to work afterwards. And they were working eight hours per day, and everybody was quite happy with that organization. Uh, today, uh, people are different, and they think differently. So it's not negative. It's We've got to find you know a balance with this. Um, but I, I very, uh, very often I remind to people working with us that... Um, Being well-being uh, in your job is something important because it's the place where you're going to spend the most of the time in your life. And when you're sleeping, you're sleeping. So, of course, the time with your family and your children is the priority. But let's be happy in your job. If you're not happy in your job, do something else. Uh, you will not be in capacity to uh, uh, involve yourself and give, um, and give things with your art to what you're doing. It's necessary, I think, with wine. If people are doing the wine with, oh, it's, I'm stopping, I've got to go. Uh, no, we've got to finish what we're doing because it's agriculture. Uh, 
And that's that's something which is difficult today. And it's the same for the winery than for the guy who's growing with cows, making, uh, having a production of milk or whatever. Um, we're living with the weather and with the light. So we've got to remind that. But this, this actual time is not giving us a very uh, easy uh, organization with that. That's, that's the point. The second thing is that, um, in general, um, uh, when we are um, starting the harvest, for example, we will carry the priority on the harvest in this little winery, and I will give time to the wine board uh, if necessary, so we'll get organized. Um, but uh, in general, we, you know, we, um, as, as today, uh, you arrived, I didn't have time to get changed, so uh, um, I think it's easier to explain to people this is what we are doing, this is why I'm not uh, welcoming you uh, with a tie and a, a blazer and etc. Um, the, the packaging is different, but the, 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 the inside product has got the same quality, you know. I found that, um, for example, in Germany, I'm, I'm friends with some uh, really small but high-end winemakers and uh, they have super luxury wines uh, that get sold to Switzerland and like uh, expensive wines. and. Uh, people who look for these kinds of wines and the customers who can afford them, they actually appreciate when the winemaker comes straight from the field and it's like everything looks terrible. This is um, they, they get the most value for their money from that because uh, they buy the craftsmanship and not the tie, actually. <laughs> the tie the, they wear themselves, often enough. So this is not a bad thing. I think it's uh, actually... It's, it's more authentic. And uh, packaging, I know in Bordeaux you are big in, on packaging. <laughs> and uh, I will explore this in, in some uh, more episodes. Uh, but uh, today it's not about packaging. And um, I think we now have an idea of who you are and why we will talk. And uh, I will lay out uh, the question for the actual episode that is going to start now. And maybe you uh, take the time and prepare some wine for us because I will be very delighted to try your wines at the same time. So um, what am I here for? I uh, often talk in my in the German version of my podcast, which is the original version. I talk about environmental issues and I talk about how what we perceive as conventional winemaking uh, today was advanced winemaking 30 years before and what we perceive as advanced progressive winemaking today will be standard in 20 years from now. So uh, those sounds fit into our podcast. You don't need to hide it. <laughs> Perfect. That's what we want to hear. Just a short interruption because I want to talk directly to you who are listening to this podcast. I'm Diego, I'm the host of this podcast, obviously. What you maybe do not know is that I'm also active as wine marketing consultant for wineries and I'm specialized in small and medium-sized family wineries that try to figure out their strategic positioning. This often occurs when the winery faces a generational change, so it's ahead of them or they just did it, and the new owners try to find their identity and the winery's identity. The other scenario where my help is often asked is when wineries change their market. So, for example, from producing bulk wine to bottling wine. 
strategic positioning, I can explain this best on my own podcast. So there are many of wine podcasts, mostly talking about food pairing and stuff. There's one podcast for wine professionals talking about how to make money in the wine industry. This is mine and this is very special. So this leads to platforms like Wine Plus. It's 230,000 members. 30,000 of them are professionals working together with me or Vitisphere, the main French medium for wine growing, working together with me or Ives, the worldwide corporation of wine research institutes, working together with me because of my strategic positioning. But this is also possible for wineries. But when I look around, most of the wineries I see, they have a me too positioning, meaning look at me, I also do organic wine, or I also do vegan wine, or I also have a vineyard in this area, or I also produce orange wine, or what have you. So this is positioning, but it's not good. Let me tell you the story of one of my customers. It's Terra Preta Weingut Huppert, meaning Terra Preta Winery Huppert. And so together we positioned them as the only winery that has its brand centered around the use of Terra Preta. Why is this important? Because if you check this stuff out, it has a huge community on YouTube. You can buy it in grocery stores. Uh, television channels are reporting about it. Joe Rogan podcast is reporting about it. And no winemaker got the idea to use it as his strategic positioning. So instead of saying, yeah, I'm organic winery Huppert, we can say I'm Terra Preta winery Huppert. This is good strategic positioning. And I consulted them and I helped them to change their whole brand around this new identity. And the effect of it is that they now can sell their wine where no other winery is selling because they are part of the Terra Preta community from now on. And if you want to learn how strategic positioning can help you grow your business and stabilize your income, do not hesitate to contact me. I do my consulting locally because I travel the wine world a lot, but also online via Zoom or video conferences. And so just contact me and we can talk about what is possible. I always tell the winemakers uh, you need to stop laughing about organic wine growing because this will be conventional in some years. And then I read this article where it says Pomerol just prohibits the use of herbicides. And I'm like, oh, now it gets interesting. And then I found out that you are not the first to do this here. There are some areas in Italy, for example, who've done the same. And I would say, okay, this is the beginning of a trend. And uh, as it always is, the more famous the area and the people who start something, the faster the adaptation all around the world will come. And that is what I'm here to talk about. So um, I would like to know a bit about the decision that is behind it and about uh, how the different winemakers here support it or fight it. I mean, I bet there's two opinions on this. And also um, this, this podcast is about marketing. It's about the art of selling wine. And uh, so most of the time winemakers talk about this from a productive pro producer perspective. Oh, how do I need to take care of uh, plants and blah and all this stuff in the wine market? But I want to know what's the impact of this on selling the wines. This is the topic I want to explore today. Okay. Okay. 
And uh, maybe we start this with one of your wines. Which, with which shall we start? Well, let's let's start with the white wine because it's fresh. Um, so it's a Sauvignon Gris, pure Sauvignon Gris, uh, 2019. So that's that will help you to to manage your interview with. Uh, Fermented in a barrel, as I learned. Absolutely. Fermented in barrels and uh, uh, picked very matured grapes. We are not um, searching for uh, uh, um, an aromatic maturity of the fruits. We are uh, waiting for real, normal, uh, uh, deep maturity, you know, with the seeds, uh, with the uh, steams that the grapes get ready. Uh, which makes something very different than the uh, Sauvignon aromas. I, I wanted to ask because uh, when when just uh, breathing in uh, this aroma, it's it's I wouldn't uh, say it's Sauvignon Border. family. No, not at all. Uh, but this is the way you intended to have to be. And if you give a little bit of time to the glass, it will bring you some. Deep complexity and some uh, mm. um, exotic aromas. So the air is going to give it a bit of time. It's going to give um, lots of complexity to the to the wine. Um, <coughs> did, it, did it do a malolactic fermentation? A, lo a little bit of it, yeah. Mm. Which is um, you know carrying uh, some. Um, Uh, minerality uh, mm. to the wine, which is something not very common here, mm. uh, and the the, the 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 idea of uh, working on the lees for the wine is is um, helping very much on the uh, uh, mine, ma mineral side of the of the balance. Uh, I also think, uh, and that's an old idea of mine, that Bordeaux um, can make great red wines, but it can can also make some great white wines. Um, It's just that, apart Pesac Léodion, for example, and some graves, we didn't realize, sorry, we didn't realize that we could make uh, very complex wines. And people start, since a few years, to change their mind about white wines. Uh, today, in Entre-de-Mer, in Bordeaux Blanc, you have some winemakers making really great white wines. Mm. And because the, uh, the land is large and the uh, geographical area is wild, um, uh, you you find some very different white wines, uh, which can surprise many of us during the the, the, the tasting. So uh, I like it a lot. It has um, a bit of um, slight saltiness and at the same time a bit of sweetness. This is yeah. it's it's a very interesting wine. Um, when you say you wait for the extreme maturation of the berries, the price you pay for it is intense alcohol so you have like 14 plus percent i think yeah which is you just uh, taste it but it's it's not uh it's not untasty it's just very it is there the alcohol but it's the style of the wine and uh, so i can recommend a visit definitely <laughs> <laughs> and yeah but now let's go to the let's go to the topic um yeah Maybe uh, you you can start and lay out a bit the uh, historical context for this decision that was made here in Pomerol. Um, Pomerol made this decision, but you have lots of decisions uh, in different um, uh, wine area which are going in the same direction. Um, well, one thing is that Bordeaux um, was very much aimed 
it was a sort of a target for some people um, who um, probably thought that some of the uh, behavings were not exemplary, etc., etc. Well, um, it's a generality, uh, definitely today. Um, uh, since approximately, uh, uh, I'm not talking about the wine board, but the uh, local wine uh, syndicates uh, like Saint-Emilion, Pomerol, Bordeaux, uh, Grave, pessac léonien all of them have the, the management on the uh, uh, charge book of production. They decide with the government and the Ministry, Ministry of Agriculture what can be in it with the um, INAO uh which are going to be um, the guides and the, um, uh, the comp comp compulsory rules to make uh, Saint-Emilion Pomerol. So they have the, the key in their hands. And most of them um, uh, thought a long time ago that a, um, a general improvement on the... Um, on the uh, way of using herbicides uh, uh, could be um, you know could be um, changing because pomhol uh, is a little bit um, in advance from for, for for some reasons the first one is that pomhol is an exception it's a very premium area of production uh, the uh, the capacity um, technically and financially for each winery to uh, uh, improve their processes something extraordinary <laughs> it's something possible i would yes. say i'm not going to be uh, 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 you know affirmating uh, some points but um, when they decided that point and pomhol i remind you is just about uh, one and a half kilometers from here um, they just thought okay we we have the capacity uh, there is no reasons that we uh, don't move to that evolution. So let's say um, we uh, we will do the job under the vines. Uh, we will move the land. We will uh, we will do uh, a reasonable and environmental uh, normal job. Uh, they voted it because it's a democratic uh, decision. So uh, uh, the office says we suppose we could do that. So you vote, are you okay with it or are you not okay with it? Is it a 50% plus you need or 70% plus? Or? No, it's a democratic uh, with a universal um, uh, elected um, voices. So it's 50%. So um, I, I, I can't remember, but I think it was uh, over 80 or something like that. So uh, uh, that uh, was probably normal today. But if we come back 20 years ago... Uh, what would have been the vote, you know? Uh, I will not say anything because I don't know, but probably different. Pitchforks and get out of here. <laughs> um, people are also, you know, we always come back to that, to that, conf I mean, to that confirmation that um, the society is changing. So um, we know that our childrens are changing faster than, and, than in our experience or anything like that. So um, um, we all have uh, around us some people who are very sens sensitive to the environment. Some are less and sensitive to the environment, but you do have um, you do have some some halfway through, you know. And today the people halfway through they are saying, "I would like 
you to make efforts for the environment. Uh, well, 20 years ago, oh, you're making something special for the environment. You, you, you're carrying some care for the, for the birds, are you? That's good, but make sure the wine is good, okay? <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, uh, if people say, I would like you to uh, put in some effort for the environment, are they also paying you for do this? Well, in Pomerol, they are, because the wines are expensive enough. Uh, the the same evolution is is well known in different uh, wine boards. Le, le, let's take some example. For example, in Saint Emilion, uh, it's been voted that you have to um, uh, to make some Saint Emilion or Saint Emilion Grand Cru. It is compulsory to um, being involved in the certification for the environment. The HVE? It can be HVE, but they push to the organic, for example. Okay. But they cannot say, you have to be organic. Uh, this is will come slowly. As you said earlier in the interview, you said um, probably organic is going to be the convention of tomorrow. You said it. I cannot say I agree or I don't agree with you. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right, but things will change on. Uh, technology will improve as well, probably. Uh, I wish, anyway, uh, that uh, we get some biological um, uh, products uh, to defend the plants. Uh, we will get to it, probably. They, they, yeah, we are, the front, France is putting loads of money into this, very much money. The government, the uh, wine boards, Champagne, Bordeaux, Cognac, Burgundy, all together, you know, they are financing some some research and uh, some startup for, for those kind of products. So we will make it one day. And I guess in Germany it's the same, in Italy as well, um, and, and in Spain. And in Europe, in Europe uh, there are some European funds, uh, funds for this as well. So we'll get to there. Waiting for this, um, the, um, the political atmosphere, the societal uh, atmosphere is making the difference and putting pressure on the professionals. So you are talking about something like the glyphosate discussion. Yeah, for example, the glyphosate is a good example, um, but it's still very politic. Um, I actually I was in uh, contact with the uh, with the uh, parts of the government who were in charge of the pro of the project, and uh, um, I, I saw. I saw different problems with different agriculture. Uh, you have viticulture, you have large culture for cereals, uh, wheat, etc. Uh, you have the uh, meat, you've got the milk, you've got vegetables, you've got the uh, fruits. I mean, all of them have a different problem with glyphosate. Uh, in viticulture, uh, we were using, I think, a good part of glyphosate in the 80s and 90s, that's for sure. Because uh, if we come back to 60 years back and that uh, you're still working with uh, horses uh, or the first tractors, when you see and when you look at the glyphosate arriving, you will say, great, it's a miracle, it's great. But the, the other way back, it's something very much difficult. Coming from the glyphosate with the tractor to uh, touching the floor taking the weeds with uh, mechanical tools, it's something much different and probably much more difficult than the first uh, opportunity after war, after the Second World War. So uh, we need to help people to, uh, to get a, a, a decent um, capacity as well as technique 
as well as economic to make that that way up to I mean this. when it comes to the technique of the unity the land is quite flat here so no steep uh, winemaking at least what I see when I travel around and this is very good for mechanical yeah. solutions this is amazing absolutely so as long as you're talking about Saint-Emilion uh, Pomerol uh, La Lande de Pomerol uh, um, Pessac-Léonien and uh, all the uh, communes of Médoc like Saint-Julien, Saint-Estève they have the financial capacity to answer that problem and this is coming naturally today all those, all those areas are using less and less glyphosate but naturally, you know uh, the wine boards uh, of Pomerol, the wine boards of, uh, um, of Saint-Emilion included already five years ago some obligations um, to uh, to answer the environment problem with glyphosate, for example. Even Bordeaux, you know, the, the, the classic Bordeaux, which the income of those wineries is very little, you know, very short. Uh, when when you can drink a wine of Bordeaux at um, 7 to 10 euros, uh, let's say even uh, 11 or 12 euros, the winery behind those wines are not making lots of cash in Bordeaux. And uh, they they uh, they made lots of efforts um, for uh, for this philosophy. And the Bordeaux Wine Board actually um, signed already almost ten years ago that it was totally illegal uh, to use glyphosate uh, for for one length of 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 vines. You know, it was it, it's not legal. You cannot do that. It was the first. I mean, it was it was the first wine board to do that. Um, they didn't do a hundred percent like Pomerol because the, for the moment they can't. But they start to ask the um, the winemakers to use uh, only for you know x centimeters around the plants instead of fifty, for example. It's going smaller and smaller. They can using only once per year, and as as the time is going with the restrictions. People are also trying the mechanical, the, the, the weedings. So um, uh, we cannot say to some people who are not living very well of their job, forget the glyphosate straight away. Um, but it's a little bit politic. But things are changing slowly because um, your clients are waiting for that anyway. And uh, this, um, the, the, the winery understood that. That's a very important point. Mm. I would say it, it's easier for Pomerol to say yes to non-use of glyphosate. It's more complicated for Bordeaux. Is it only a discussion about glyphosate? I mean, uh, the biological uh, organic uh, herbicides were also prohibited. I mean, it, it... that's that's. <clears throat> this is why I, I'm. You know, I really uh, wish and hope um, that the research is going to improve very much. Uh, because for the moment you have some technical solution who arrives like uh, burning the weeds. But burning the weeds means that you're going to use some gas. So work out the thing using some gas. Bordeaux is a hundred and thousand hectares of vineyards. Um, what about the uh, carbon uh, dioxide uh, uh, impact? Um, we, we also had some electric uh, experiment so uh, the weeds got electrocuted uh, with um, a tool touching the floor but what about the life in the floor 
I've seen a, a new um, startup that is uh, building a machine that uh, drives through the farming land, vineyard, whatever they will use it for, and it kills the herbs. It, it, it detects them by uh, artificial intelligence and then kills them with directed microwaves. Huh. So, <laughs> yeah, interesting thing is going on, but uh, I mean, it all has pros and cons. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I <coughs> excuse me. I think that we, we have got to be mature on this decision for tomorrow. And the maturity is not only uh, coming through uh, one technical decision, which is very healthy for the environment or which is very healthy for uh, the pollution, let's say, because pollution and environments in some people's head are two things different. Um, you've got next door to my winery, you've got... Uh, Uh, an, uh, a guy who created a robot who's actually working on his own, cutting the grass in between the vines uh, with artificial intelligence as well. And uh, it's actually working. Uh, but we are realizing that we have to manage the uh, type of grasses which is growing under the vines. So the, uh, co the, the, the competition in between the, um, the, the wild plants and the vineyards are not too high. Um, all these are very technical, um, agronomical questions which needs different matters in the future. First of them is ideas, capacity of development, uh, experience in the time and a general impact in the environment. You know, it's like the electric cars. It's great, but um, are we sure that it's really good for the environment? The question is there. Let's see for the future. Um, of course, uh, it's better for the uh, strict pollution, so uh, it's probably better to do this. I actually work on two projects of electrical tractors uh, to uh, take the weeds off the plants because we cannot spray with electric tractors for the moment. Um, not enough battery, not enough power, um, and uh, I think it, it, it's 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 getting there. I mean, we we are in the period. Um, Maybe the COVID help all this as well, but we are in we are entering a period now where um, many of the professions are actually considering uh, the uh, the uh, uh, society, the environment uh, as very major axes. Um, only the 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 idea just the idea of making sure your qualified um, labor. Uh, it's something difficult to keep because it's like every industrialized countries, uh, we don't have uh, labor uh, enough for the production here, mm. the first level of labor. So we need to give them something else than just a good salary. We need to bring to those people um, a healthy environment, um, a comfortable uh, job, even though it's outside, etc. Uh, but the global point needs to be attractive for the people to stay in your company, uh, big or small. Well, however, um, the, the, the wine business in Bordeaux is also uh, considering that point with very much interest because we actually um, are searching for labor all the time. So um, it's, it's always going through the door of health, environment, and societal. 
because um, the threes are going together. And after that, after that, but it's a priority for the commercial people of the of the companies, the consumer as well. But sometimes some of the involvement for environment are just as more important for the local than for the final client who is considering the activity to be respectable for the environment as necessary, but not always as priority. Um, I'm making organic wines for a long time and um, I see today some people are selling my products carrying very much interest on the certification of organic. But some others are still um, very sensible to the idea, hey, François Thomas, are you still ISO 14001? Are you still uh, organic and HVE? I mean, because it's good to know you're everything. Uh, if people ask me questions, I can tell them you are. <laughs> but, you know, he will buy the wine as well. Hmm. And... Um, it's it's good and it's not good. It's good and it's not maybe good enough for for the earth, but it's good um, because it it helps the wineries who are not uh, yet uh, enough involved in a, in environments like uh, uh, people who decided to be HVE, which is a good step for you know being conscious of what you're doing into uh, uh, and your impact into your environment. It's it's something slightly limited. HVE, but it's a good step when you do nothing, and when you start with HVE, you you will realize one day, well, I can go further, and I can see some wineries on the other side of the Dordogne River, making Bordeaux, who are uh, making uh, wines under the HVE certification. They're not using glyphosate, glyphosate anymore. Why they don't have to? They could be organic, in fact, probably, but they realize. For the moment, they don't realize they could be, but they will realize it in a couple of years. Or just because they want to have the opportunity to use one product in case the weather is having too much, uh, uh, making making too much pressure on the grapes and the vineyards during the summertime, they will be able to be. Um, uh, they, they they want to keep the capacity to uh, uh, to spray a, a product which could kill the mildew, for example. Let's say, but those people actually. Uh, are not using those anymore. So um, um, when this is happening, you can say to yourself, "Well, um, a, a general move is getting in." You know, uh, I think s between seven and ten years ago, it was difficult to say this, but mm. now, I, I I will want to to ask a bit controversial question. Um, coming from another angle because I just recently did an interview with somebody who is executive at a cork company, Bouchon. They produce Bouchons, I like this word. <laughs> and um, I talked to him about sustainability and the cork forests and all that and he yeah. said to me, Diego, I am a salesperson and executive and in the cork industry since more than 30 years I have never sold a single cork because it's sustainability. And so I wonder how much of this talking of environmental friendly production is actually greenwashing. Because when you say we, we, we don't use herbicides anymore, but we didn't before because we don't need them. And then we 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's is it marketing? What's going on? Well, it's it's a communication. I would say more like um, some communication because um, uh, I, ju- I, I I think area like Pomerol and Saint Emilion. Uh, I mean, if you take your car since 10 years, you see lots of vines which are not using glyphosate, but you still have some. It's a minority, minority but the majority aren't. Um, the thing is, the communication was not good. Uh, those people had the financial capacity to do the job like that, but they didn't realize it was important to say it. Ah, Okay. Then you have some people doing some greenwashing because you will never avoid those people. You have some uh, people uh, always jumping on an opportunity because the vineyards are very big or uh, uh, it's sort of industrial uh, philosophy of the winemaking. But the generality isn't there. I think if you ask a, a winemaker who doesn't have very much investment capacity because his, his income from the vineyard is very low in Entre de Mer, you have some wineries in Tour de Mer who have very good capacities because they make very good wines and they have a very good distribution process. But you also have... A big amount of just normal winemaking. Yeah, yes. I mean, you've got every sort of wineries in Entre de Mer, really. You have very, um, very technical people because, you know, when you don't have much money, you have ideas. Uh, so those people are full of uh, um, uh, initiatives, really. Uh, as far as environment is concerned, as well as productivity, uh, so that's that's very uh, keen. Um, I also um, met those uh, philosophy in some vineyards, like in South Africa uh, or um, or Chile. You know, um, you don't have much cash, you have ideas, <laughs> but um, in general. Um, the um, the involvement for the product um, uh, let let put on the side the sustainable uh, vineyards for the moment and answer just a question about environmentally involved wineries. People are asking for this today, that's for sure. If you do sell your wines in um, uh, French supermarkets or uh, northern Europe. Yeah, this is true for Northern Europe. I talked to somebody yeah. who who, who uh, exports a lot to China, and it's also oh. it's quite expensive wine from uh, from Italy, from uh, uh, Bozen, you know the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "I, uh, it's nice to have organic wine in China, but they buy it because it is expensive, not because it's organic." So Absolutely. you have different markets that demand different uh, attributes, and, and you also have the um, regulation problems. For example, if you make European organic from Germany or France or Spain or uh, Italy, your label, CE label with the leaf uh, and the, the start in the leaf, uh, your label is not uh, agreed by the American government. Government, you can say on the label. European organic label, uh, but you cannot put the label on your la- on, on you, you cannot put the green label on on your um, uh, bottle. On the other side, uh, you can be NOP, which is the American uh, North American uh, organic label, which is slightly different of the European ones. Uh, not much on the viticulture, uh, but a little bit on the uh, winemaking. Uh, but people like uh, like us, you know, don't make much difference because we don't, I mean, I use as less as I can, except sulfite, really. Uh, I'm one of the people who is kindly thinking that the uh, 
vines are, are also doing their jobs. So the grapes have what they have to have to make good wines. But an accident can arrive to everybody. So let's be <laughs> let's be careful. But um, in China, it's also a specific uh, situation. Um, I've been working very much with China uh, at a period, uh, also because I had a client during my uh, period of uh, consultant. In China, <coughs> the European label doesn't have any um, value. So you cannot uh, print it on the label. So you can say to a Chinese importer, uh, importator, um, I'm organic in Europe, in France, and I make border wines. You want to buy border wines? Uh, it's organic. It's great. You're going to make much money. The guy's going to say, no, he doesn't care. I don't care. You know, it's not a point which interests me because your label, I could not use it in China. Uh, the only solution to be organic in China is that I make uh, an organic certification of China in your winery. And I've done it in wine winery, and I promised that I'll never do it again. <laughs> because it's changing every two days. <laughs> and um, the first things the uh, certification guy says to you when he arrives from China, he says, hey, okay, now listen to me. Just to make the atmosphere right, you Europeans consider that your organic system is serious. Forget it. Our one is better. <laughs> and then we do the organic certificate, <laughs> certification of, of the Chinese system. And you realize that, uh, well, well, it's, it's a weird certification. <laughs> is it better? No. Okay. It's a personal point of view. It's not better or not better. It's very different. Uh, we don't have time to uh, to speak about the details of that point, but uh, they will improve. You know, uh, for the moment, it's not the it's not the deal. Yeah, nice. So, um, please let's let's take the discussion a bit away from this whole uh, herbicide thing. Um, we've heard a lot about it now, and uh, you just mentioned that uh, you have lots of people with good ideas in uh, Bordeaux, and I think the whole uh, idea of doing development, uh, maybe some research projects. Uh, what is going on here, like in in terms of uh, more sustainable production? The, um, the we well, I'm going to give you a little bit of the historical um, levels of the involvement. Uh, before the sustainable um, uh, engagement, we are carrying with a very uh, strong conviction. Uh, we created um, almost 11 years ago an association in the Bordeaux vineyards called uh, SME. System de Management Environnemental, you will translate it easily, um, association, which is um, a group uh, which is independent of the uh, Wine Council, um, uh, which is actually uh, helping the wineries who liking uh, to enter the group to um, convert the wineries to HVE, of course, but uh, the first target is the uh, ISO 14001. I don't know if you know that um, ISO uh, International um, uh, Certificate. Um, ISO 14000 is, uh, all, is a certification regarding all your um, impact over the environment. Um, so every winery which is certificated in the, in the association 
Um, so you find all the sorts of wineries, you know, two workers, one workers, uh, just the owner, uh, 200 workers, wine merchants, all sorts of uh, uh, businesses. Um, those wineries or those uh, wine merchants are actually uh, managing all the recycling on their environmental impact. So uh, every plastic uh, they are producing will be recycled. They have to major to, to manage where, how, and who is doing the, re the recycling. Um, the oil of the tractors, for example, here, when the oils are kept, uh, they're uh, transported by a specific transport company to another company who's going to filtrate those oil, reproduce uh, legal uh, normal oil for new engines, and they will return into the, uh, the, um, the economy. So it's circular, really. Uh, the carton, for example, will be recycled 100%, etc., etc. Uh, uh, when you are entering this association, for example, you get recommended to uh, um, to develop a system of uh, 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 your um, energetical uh, conception. For example, you will manage the quantity of water you're using by area in your wineries. Uh, you will control the electricity, the heating, etc. So it's actually we have uh, approximately 900 wineries in that topic. So it's a, a sixth almost of Bordeaux and representing uh, over 20% of the volume because you've got big companies into that, that deal. So the, the, the story of Bordeaux and the wine council and the environment started there. A few years later, almost um, uh, five years ago, we realized um, that um, Environment is an important point, but it's not the only answer. Uh, we need to help the wineries and the businesses to carry uh, to their consumers, uh, our consumers. We're not talking about um, we're not talking about um, um, uh, journalists or anything like that. We're talking about the the, the, the the real target. The target is the well-being of our wineries and wine merchants and the well-behaving of our clients. One is not going well with the other if one is not feeling trust in the first one. So if um, we consider that the generation coming, so my children's uh, or the young adults of today, are growing with this um, permanent um, worry of the environment on one side, and the uh, sustainable behaving of the companies around their houses, for example. Uh, people react very well with local consumption, for example. We all feel the same. If you find vegetables and meat produced locally at a reasonable price, it's healthier to buy it than buying some chickens from in, coming from Canada or whatever. It's a question of logic at the end, but it, all, it also comes through... Um, a sort of global uh, responsibility, you know, of um, uh, balance, uh, local um, environment as in the environment for the um, earth, but the environment as human well-being and economical. So um, we, we, we thought that uh, the SMO, the, the, the management of the environmental system, was not enough. Um, it's one point, very deeply touched, uh, because in the SMO, you find some organic wineries, for example. Mine is also SMO. 
so I'm I'm a certified ISO fourteen thousand and one, but I'm organic. I could be organic. It's enough for some of my clients. Making ISO fourteen thousand is not necessary. Many people don't know what does mean mean fourteen thousand. They have to look on internet, uh, whatever. But I'm very proud of saying I'm organic. But all my wasted are reconsidered into the into the economy. It's logical. If you're organic, I guess you have a philosophy. So I I can assume that philosophy. Um, we 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 thought that point was not enough because uh, also um, this new generation coming, this young generation uh, of young adults, uh, uh, will and they are actually, um, and they will consume with a certain. Uh, approach uh, of information of the products they are consuming for two reasons. The first one is their health, which is normal. You, me, everybody is careful of what is consuming. And the second one is the global impact of those products that you are consuming. So uh, in this global impact, it's the sustainable, the environment, the human, the society impact, and the local economy, etc., etc. All yeah, I mean, uh, by by the use of smartphones, uh, the impact that our consumption is causing in Africa or in India or wherever it becomes visible. Absolutely. And I mean, it's not that uh, the consumption style changes overnight. I mean, cheap clothing, cheap food—it's a big, big, big business, incredibly big, big business. But on the other side, you have people becoming aware of some un uncomfortable truths. Yeah. yeah, because people realize, because today every information is accessible everywhere. I mean, if you... Uh, uh, yesterday in France, uh, it, it became compulsory to inform the consumer of where and from where the meat you're eating or you're buying is coming from. And suddenly, um, people discovered that in schools and things like that, some of the chickens were coming from Brazil and things like that. Well, maybe chicken Brazil uh, is something okay. I don't know. I don't have special relationship with chicken coming from Brazil. But we do realize that we probably are able in Europe to make chicken, to produce chicken and good chicken, I guess. The thing is that uh, people realize the difference probably, and it will come in worse and worse. I mean, the information will be uh, easier to get. Um, and they will wonder, I would like to have some meat grown in this condition because I like this idea and I'm ready to pay more or, or not, maybe not. But people will, will carry attention to that. Now, when we produce uh, border wine or Burgundy or German wines or Zacian wine, whatever, um, you're not a first necessary product. So you have to be uh, attractive anyway. If um, we, we, we realized a long time ago um, that Bordeaux um, necessarily is doing for a long time many wineries some sustainable behaviors, but they don't show it. They are not explaining they're doing it. Some of them are not. We are okay with that. You know, a um, uh, uh, wine production like Bordeaux, it's, it's a sort of a long train. You have uh, the engine at the front, so it's, let's, let's say, the Grand Cru and the very dynamic wineries. You've got the, 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 the heart of the, uh, of the, of the wagons, uh, which are 
good dynamic, making good products, making good efforts for the environment, and you have the two or three last dragons who don't care about anything, you know, and those ones, they are complicated to manage, but they are here, and we've got to find a solution to help them to catch up and to become in the middle of the train, because they can hurt the general image of the whole area, and they are very often either having a specific politic about the sustainable or the environment because they really don't care or you know they are living in a sort of they are living in the past <laughs> or they really you know think it's some sort of trump behaving <laughs> let's say and and you have the wineries and this is more touching as far as i'm concerned who are in difficulties because those wineries are uh, going through a period in their lives which is impacted by some um, family problems. We are still humans, though. so we are, you know, our companies are small, so if the boss is going uh, not very well because he's having a problem of health or his wife or his children, whatever, well, it impacts the, the, the little company straight away. So. Those wineries, so those wineries who have problems with uh, environment, sustainable behaving, etc., we've got to help them. This is where the, uh, the the wine council has got to give energy. It's got to give energy to some of the middle wineries because they need help. They want to, but they need help. But some of the last wagons are really needing, needing to be a little bit carried. So we are here for that. And um, a last point about the, uh, this evolution to the sustainable is um, tomorrow um, it will be part of the consumer's behaving anyway, and we know that. I mean, we are expecting people to be engaged because you, you're not only today you will be maybe paying for a quality, but tomorrow you will be paying for a quality, which is respecting this and this and this. Because um, my land is mine as, as long as the f uh, fiscal point is boarded. But it's your children's, my neighbor's children's, it's everybody's. So um, um, as far as the uh, developed countries are concerned, uh, we all we all are concerned about that point. So uh, we will be consuming regarding that very attentionally, definitely. So when the CIVB um, thought uh, it was time, even though we are probably the first one as a wine council to do this, um, we uh, invested lots of time and a bit of money uh, since 2019 by creating a group of 23 wineries to test our program. So we created some uh, softwares to, um, to manage the uh, sustainable behaving of the wineries, so your, your environmental impact. So that told we had it with the SME, of course, uh, which is very uh, performant and very efficient. It costs really lots of money to the wine board. Um, but the tool, I mean, the soft is always, is also there for uh, managing the environmental uh, uh, questions uh, of uh, the workers, the clients, the uh, transparency, because um, sustainables also means that a consumer needs to be uh, in trust with the producer. Is it Bordeaux only or is it free to use for anyone? No, it's, it's Bordeaux for the moment. Yeah, we, we created it for Bordeaux. Maybe one day uh, if Cognac or 
you know, we will be open. I think we we spend money with it, but well, first of all, maybe some of the wine considers uh, are doing so. But uh, uh, if the if the tool is efficient for a group, because the idea is that when you um, create, I mean, not create, when you want to engage some little companies as well as large companies into a sustainable certification uh, or engagement, because not everybody will go to a certification, uh, which is ISO 26000, um, you, you, you need to create the tools for companies like mine, for example, because I don't afford, I can't afford that investment. No way. It's too much time. Um, it's too much money. And the question you asked earlier during the interview is, is it worth it on the business side? Because you have two points about the sustainably uh, engagement is the uh, the hard engagement, the trust. I want to do it yeah, because... Yeah, but you also have the cash flow. And you've got the business because, of course, it's, it's going to be necessary. Uh, in the same condition, then uh, what's going to be conventional tomorrow? Is it going to be organic of today or whatever? So um, we need to be um, efficient on that uh, common tool because uh, uh, 6,000 wineries, it's something that you cannot consider as easy to manage. In, in the 6,000, you've got some with 400 uh, workers uh, and you've got a large number with one or zero workers. And um, those, those little wineries... Um, they are probably carrying a very large part of the image of what the consumer is having of the wine in general, not only Bordeaux. The guy who's behind his tractor making the wine with his hands, investing himself with his capacity, his talents, uh, and uh, uh, the image of that guy um, uh, in the modern life is also the guy behind his office with his computer making the management, the traceability of its production, etc. So we need to help them, that's for sure. Mm. So uh, um, when, when I understood you right, this is a prototype program? Well, it was a prototype since 2019, 2019 and 2021. Those 23 wineries did uh, make the first certificate of the Bordeaux Sustainable in a Engagement. Who's in charge of this uh, project? Um, it's the uh, commission technique, technical commission, uh, with my um, with our team in the CIVB. It's Catherine uh, um, uh, Marie Catherine Dufour and uh, uh, Laura Esperandieu. Can you get me in contact? with Yeah, we'll give you the contact. I, I would really like to. Uh, you need to. I think it's necessary. And Laura, who speaks good English, and uh, Marie Catherine as well. Um, both are, are engineers. Marie-Catherine is the director of the service and uh, uh, Laura Esperandieu is a specialist of the sustainable on ISO 26000. Um, uh, the, 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 the technical service of the CIVB managed by Marie-Catherine Dufour, it's eight persons, most of them engineers, uh, ag agronomy engineers. Um, uh, they they managing the research etc etc but the um, the RSE the, the responsabilité sociétale des entreprises um, is a major subject for the uh, CIVB so today we can um, you know we can be uh, quite I would say sorry about that but proud 
of the first 23 companies, uh, which were labeled in 2021. And in the same time, we uh, registered more than 120 new companies to be uh, labeled for 2022. Oh. And... Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah. So it's the, the idea is that approximately 30%... What's the benefit of being certified? I mean, as, as a business owner? Well, um, I guess... Let 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 be um let 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 be uh, quite free on this uh, question. Um, I would say because I don't have the answer. Nobody's got it really. Um, you would see people seem to want to have it. Well, <laughs> the major question, the the major answer for the largest companies is the demand. Being sustainably uh, certified as a company, uh, whatever you're producing is necessary today in some international markets. If you're working with uh, some uh, air flight company, it's important. If you're working with a wine merchant uh, cave in Dusseldorf, uh, the guy importing himself, it's probably not as important. But it could be. It could be because um, today, um, I think, even me, when I go into a, a cave in Bordeaux or in Paris, I'm looking of what, you know, I'm looking at the back of the label. Yes, and I'm I'm interested about the engagement of the winery, probably because I am too in my own winery. But I'm interested because I I I feel healthier and better when I'm drinking something which is involved. This is a major point you're uh, making there, and uh, I want to 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 add another perspective on this. Um, Uh, people don't know it on this podcast. Now they know it. Um, I've been living vegetarian lifestyle half my life now. And uh, so long, long time um, compared to many others who tried it. And uh, the key point why I do this is because it makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. And I also have this thing going that when I eat food where I know it is garbage in plastic, uh it's not comfortable it's not not comfortable for me and i i try to avoid this as much as i can and it's the same it's true for killed animals in my uh in my situation but uh what you say there that it makes you feel better if you know that the winemaker at least takes some kind of action to improve the environmental impact of his uh, winery Uh, it doesn't need to, always to be uh, perfectly everything you have on your bottle, but you you and you can connect to the person and say, okay, I, I see that you try to improve, and this makes the experience of the product more enjoyable. We more enjoyable, yes. Certainly. And this is a huge, huge decision, uh, part of the buying decision actually. And uh, when we come back to the sales impact, when you when you learn to communicate to your customers that whatever you do. He must not understand it, but he can believe you that you, from year to year, try to improve your business in this way. It becomes more enjoyable to buy your product, and this is—it's huge because people buy emotionally. It's—it's it's a very important point, and um, uh, emotion in wine is something we already know because uh, the emotion uh, when you buy a bottle for the first time and that you didn't have the opportunity to taste the wine. You don't have the impact of the emotion that the wine gave to you yet, yet. If you drink it with friends and that the atmosphere, which is very important for wine consumption, is healthy, very good, and everybody's feeling well, 
with good friends, people, uh, you know, we are talking about good friends with people when, uh, with people which who are around you, uh, makes you feel yourself. This is good atmosphere. It's life is simple. In fact, sometimes we try to be very complicated, but uh, it's quite simple, I think. The deal is that if you make a great experience drinking that wine, you will buy it with emotion the next time because you will say, I love that one. No, 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 I take the same wine. And that's for sure. This works at every time. It's a dopamine question. <laughs> But um, uh, what's difficult in our, in our business, I think, it's that how many people out of my total production will buy my wine once time? Most. Most, probably. For many reasons, because I'm too small. <laughs> And the second one is because wine is also something which is bringing curiosity. Um, the more people travel, the, the more they are open to new products, absolutely. so they are not as loyal anymore. It's, it's carrying uh, culture, interest, um, uh, spreaded moment with friends etc so it's bringing lots of different uh, um, lots of different emotions and every emotions have their importance and they will help you to keep souvenirs of the product you're drinking or you're buying so um, I think um, if you can be uh, in trust because you can notice Uh, that this product is involved into taking care about uh, the local society or the environment or both of them, which is necessary, I think, because it's a pair. It's not only one or one, it's a pair, which is the, uh, uh, the idea of sustainable. It is probably necessary to, to consider that this first experience could be the only one with the consumer. So... Uh, um, Today, with your mobile phone, you just print the label on the, on, on the picture and you can know many things about the wine. Um, if you have no, in, no information about the guy is making Bordeaux wine, you don't know if he's using uh, uh, any kind of... Uh, um, you don't know if he's having any kind of, uh, uh, of efforts for the environment or... Well, if you have two bottles... You don't know the product, and the one on the side has got involvement into uh, sustainable, environmental, or organic. You buy that one probably. At, let's say that if it's not a matter of price, if it's the same price, you yeah, will buy the yeah. other one. If it's a different price, you're right. It will probably impact the choice, of course, but like everything. And um, the idea is, um, we know, um, and we are, uh, um, we are. We are taking in mind that at Bordeaux, we have a pressure uh, of um, environment, which is probably more important than healthware. I'm not talking about the media pressure. I didn't get the point. Um, we, we, we have um, pro probably Bordeaux um, has got more impact on the environment as far as I'm speaking about the weather and the uh, climate impact on, uh, on the procedures of wine growing. Because it's raining a lot here, because it's uh, a warm rain. Then, for example, uh, in 2021, we had during um, seven days a non-stop raining uh, period 
during the uh, May period, the, the the month of May. So that actually sounds horrible if you try to create organic wines. It is horrible, but you can have solutions. And the first one is uh, uh, trust your uh, your heart <laughs> and go outside early in the morning. But um, uh, while it's easier, for example, to make organic wines uh, in Montpellier or in Rioja, even more in La Mancha. Yes, for sure. I mean, it's dry. <laughs> so um, we, 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 have, we have the obligation because uh, we know that we have a great brand, which is, K, which is called Bordeaux, that um, because we have to defend that great brand of Bordeaux, um, we are more exposed probably to, to be criticized to be criticized, sorry, uh, my, my English is a bit rusty, I'm sorry about that, to be criticized, then um, while south and area of production don't have the same pressure of diseases. So um, during uh, those very wet years, you can be uh, in the situation of spray x, x times to protect your, your crop. Yeah, I mean, there was this big uh, article in... Whatever, I don't remember the, the newspaper some years ago about copper in Bordeaux. I mean, it yeah. was quite an impact, I guess. And <clears throat> and in the same time, uh, we're in a period where um, I don't think there is any bashing to be taken in part. It's just a consideration where the consumer cannot, you know, uh, be uh, in contact with all the reality. Uh, consumer... When he's passionate, we'll know that you don't need to spray as much in Montpellier than in Bordeaux. But a current consumer... He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He will never know. But he will find easy, easily an article uh, saying that Bordeaux is spraying very much, then Montpellier is spraying very much. So we, we have to, to show that we're making efforts. It's necessary. Because it's more difficult than elsewhere. That's the first point. And when those efforts are, are carrying some very good results, it's got to be proved. And if you if you want to prove it, today saying is not proving. It's two worlds yeah, yeah, we which don't work together. Also have the action, <laughs> which is important. Yes. So you need to say, I'm doing, I'm efficient, and I'm certified. I can be explained to you that today I am certified, so I can show you that I'm doing what I'm saying. And that's very important because um, um, sustainable means many points we've been talking about uh, together. Uh, but it means also that it's helping to keep a good trust between the consumer and the producer. And if the consumer has got some good questions about what he's drinking, we've got to be able to answer him. And there's no way part of our activities got to be secret. It is not acceptable. It, today, in our world, it's not possible. Everything has got to be accessible in a certain limit. But I don't have very much to hide, really. Except sometimes that some of my workers can do some toilets in the vineyards, maybe. I don't know about it, but apart, <laughs> apart details, nothing can be really needed to be hided. Maybe four years ago, some of molecules of the molecules used in the vineyards could be something discussable, really. Um, some 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 products used 20 or 30 years ago in Europe were really terrible mm. for the guy using it 
and for the people consuming the products, probably. But especially the guy using it, it was the first one exposed to that. And um, when we are saying to um, our wineries, remember I talked to you about the train and the last wagons. Yes. So the the late adopters. <laughs> the late guys. When they are, we are spending a bit of time to those people who could have really deep personal troubles in their lives and in their companies. When you explain to them that sustainable is going to be healthy for their business, but it's going to be much more healthy for them, first of all. Sustainable is useful for the winery itself and for its image and its consumer. But itself is the first target. We do think um, that sustainable, you were asking me about greenwashing early on, we do think that sustainable engagement in Bordeaux is necessary for the companies, first of all. For, for, for themselves, for their health, for their environment. And we created four axes. Uh, I don't have it. I'm going to give you this, you know. Yes. Uh, it's in French. I hope you're French. Uh, uh, I je parle français un peu. <laughs> Reading is uh, harder for me than speaking, actually. I'll ask Christophe if he's got it in English. Yes. But um, um, the first point is what I talked to you, which is a very low. I think I have this. Actually, maybe. yeah, yeah. Uh, they gave a lot of stuff to me, and oh, I think I have maybe it. Maybe you have it. Mm -hmm. So the first point is, you know, I told you that we are really running after good labor, so we've got to make sure that our our activity is attractive for people. Okay, so uh, you can use this one opportunity. You are on a podcast that potentially gets listened to all around the world by winemakers. <laughs> <laughs> who, who shall come? So. That's one of the points. Uh, make sure your activity um, makes um, talents attracted uh, by your company because uh, it's difficult today anyway. And because we, we are doing some, some work, uh, we've probably uh, forgotten uh, during the, far, the last 50 years, like uh, taking the weeds off with mechanical tools, We've got to reteach people to do that job. It's not easier. Uh, you remember what I said earlier? It was easier to come from the horse to the glyphosate than coming from the glyphosate I mean, to the horse. Things, the things come handy. This is why they are so much in use. It's, it's, it's handy, but it's difficult. I see with the drivers here, it's difficult. Because when you are touching the, the, the vines with the tools... You no, got I mean feel... the, the glyphosate comes ah. handy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. the the mechanical uh, de-weeding. This is you have to be a skillful driver. Yeah, but it's necessary. I mean, we sure it, is. it it and it's going to be a priority for everybody. And um, you know, I'm buying equipment from Germany, France, uh, a little bit from Italy, but I'm trying lots of things. But some of them I'm selling them really quickly. <laughs> hmm. We've got to try lots of things. Then um, one of the other four axes is to uh, uh, work on two uh, very healthy and efficient exchanges with the people around your activity, with your consumers. So it becomes one of the axes for uh, letting the consumer in contact with your activity. So uh, probably information. Um, I will say in, Francais, in French is transparence. Uh, transparency. Uh, transparency in English. And you 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 need to um, to bring uh, trust for everybody, people working with you, with the winery, with the system of production and the consumer because they need to be in, in confidence with you. 
Then you have got uh, the, the third axle. Axle is very simple. It's the, the environment, then, which is something we involved very much in the process for a long time. And the last axle is um, very um, local, general uh, philosophy of uh, make sure your territory is living with your activity. So uh, it comes through uh, very simple uh, axles. Uh, so make sure that uh, the suppliers of your company are respecting also sustainable activity. So let's say if I'm buying carts and boxes, uh, I would like to be sure that nobody in North Africa or uh, Southern Europe or wherever you want or uh, are uh, making carton boxes with people who are 16 years old, for example. Or uh, just as well, you were talking about the corks early on. That means that you want that your supplier of corks uh, is sustainable, uh, engaged as well with you. So you make sure that uh, Moroccans' uh, children are not uh, um, picking the uh, cork on the trees and that they are paid uh, so they have to be respecting the legal laws of the normal uh, regulation of the European uh, basis. Um, it means as well that the local providers uh, of um, your um, uh, organic uh, uh, imports for your vineyards are produced regarding some decent uh, production of um, animals. So. Uh, that the chickens or the uh, cows or whatever are actually uh, well well looked after it's uh, uh, it's uh, a general idea of the local activity and the uh, the, the wine board also created a, a local conception so we we say for example to our restaurant it's, this is the commercial side um wow on your wine list you don't have any bottles of bordeaux what's the deal so don't do that <laughs> <laughs> you've got 6,000 wineries in Bordeaux you, you, you cannot tell us you can't find a good one <laughs> it's not possible even on the price or the value or the quality or whatever but if the guy runs a pizza shop I mean it's a... <laughs> whatever whatever pizza can go with a bottle of Bordeaux everybody knows that <laughs> maybe not with a Grand Cru but <laughs> with a bottle of Bordeaux but have it, some Labrusco style bottle. We are Labrusco, though. <laughs> terrible, terrible. But um, uh, the 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 four axes, uh, if you put them on side in oh, a wait. circle. In case any Italian listens, I have tried some really nice Lambruscos. So did I. So did I. My my sister-in-law is actually Italian and coming from an area producing. So uh, my cave is full of Lambrusco, but very good ones. No, I'm I'm jealous of the success of Lambrusco. <laughs> The success of Lombrusco is just incredible. But let's come back to our project yes. of sustainable in Bordeaux. The, the deal is, um, in general, um, the, the, the sustainable idea of RSE is something which completes really um, uh, what we considered as something um, necessary for the, the near future regarding the activity of the winery, the people working in it, the environment of the local activity, so economically, healthily, um, in terms of respectful for the providings, etc. And at the end, 
which is the most important one because it's the key of the activity, it's the consumer itself. The consumer has got to be confident when he's buying a bottle of Bordeaux. And we discovered when we uh, launched that project, uh, when we audited um, not the 23 wineries which were uh, the first samples, but the 120 wineries who engaged at the end of last year, when they were audited, we noticed um, that none of them were at the lowest level of the label. All of them were carrying some very performant points to the sustainable engagement, but they didn't know about it. And this would probably be the case in many vineyards in the world. Ah, so you're saying that uh, there are way more winemakers who by themselves just adapt yeah. sustainable action without realizing they do so. Absolutely. This is one of the things I always try to, to uh, remind the listeners in my German podcast about, that they do so much interesting stuff and they don't talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's too normal for them, too everyday business. And uh, yeah, so okay, I, I can... I, immediately believe you when you tell me that yeah. it's it's a very um, it's very common on some you know uh, everyday's actions uh, like um, action in in the vineyards uh, when the viticulture team is picking pieces of wood uh, or pieces of plastic on the side of the road uh, cleaning up the vineyards because they are proud of their vineyards Mm. Um, uh, I, 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 you, you open up a topic I, I didn't know if I want to go there but uh, we can go there it's plastic in the vineyards um, I've been staying at another winery for the night I won't tell the name because I don't want to embarrass them uh, we went jogging through the vineyards this morning and there was this huge amount of plastic and it, it, I, at first I thought okay did, did a pig rip apart old trash but then I realized no This was when they did the earthworks and they had this, like, there was three hectares of, yeah, they, they ripped out the vineyards and it was just horrible. And the whole plastic must have been ducked in the earth and came up and it was like everywhere. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Is this a, an old inhabited problem or is this some... I'm stomached by what you're telling me. Um... I don't know, unless somebody... I mean, it, was, it was like, literally, on, on such an area, like your your table here, which is, let's say, four, three square meters, at least one such a piece of plastic. Oh, yeah. Like ripped foils and vast, every, vast area. Well, unless somebody thrown some stuff and then... It's old plastic. I yeah. mean, yes, yes. Maybe maybe they, they somebody yeah, buried with, something. Yeah, with the machine. Yes. But, um, well, it could happen, yeah, because, uh, you know, when, um, well... It, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass yeah, uh, Bordeaux people, I no, just, no. I, I saw this and I was like, okay... What can is... happen um, is that um, a piece of plastic falls from a truck um, and then the wind brings it in the vineyards mm. and when we are crushing the uh, vine woods, you know, we mm. after the pruning, Uh, it's been crushed by a machine which is yeah. making bits and pieces and then you can see over a square meters around and this makes it bad for them for the for the impact yeah but uh, it can be an accident i guess because uh, it's totally legal in france uh, for example even though it could be an, an idea but it's totally illegal to use um, recycled wastes as fertilizers in agriculture production So you could, uh, for example, use some waste 
which has been uh, mixed and broken in uh, micro bits and pieces and uh, saying that it's normal waste without glass and let's say supposed to be without plastic and we put that in the vineyards so, it's totally yeah yes. it's totally legal and um, if it happens uh, well the guy could be um, if it happens in the AOC the guy will be losing the AOC potential of production straight away it's very strict so you can't but the accident of bits and pieces and a worker who doesn't get off his tractor to pick the stuff before um, uh, breaking the woods uh, might be the right deal of the experience you've been through. Uh, or somebody... It's been, yeah, it's been like this totally new field where they were growing small crops to whatever renew the soil. Yeah, the for... vineyard next to it and it's been, let's say, 100 times 100 meters covered in plastic. It's oh, yeah. just big. And I was... No, it's not normal. No, okay. Yeah, wow. so, and, and another topic that I want to bring up, uh, we, we now go to the, to the unpleasant topics, um, and maybe we, uh, we can the red wine. have the red wine, and then we will go into a pleasant topic to finish this, because I, I'm, I'm not here to, to, uh, to badmouth Bordeaux. Not at all. I'm here to, exp to, to talk about Bordeaux. And, uh, when I, uh, drove through the country, I thought, Okay, it's winter, so it's more obvious to me, but it seems to be pretty, pretty much monoculture here. So, like, grapes and grass and nothing else. This is, uh, this is more than I'm used to, actually. Hello. Absolutely. Bordeaux is uh, approximately, uh, well, it's the largest department of France. It's the biggest department of France. Um, uh, you've got about, uh, I'm not sure about the, the, the numbers, but the, the figures, but um, as far as my memory uh, is uh, correct, I would say about a third of the territory is wood against the land area for pine trees. Um, the rest is a, a quarter for general agriculture, more in the southwest, you know, southeast, sorry, and the east of the department. Against the Lot-et-Garonne, for ah, example. Yes, yeah. And against the land as well. There are lots of activity of agriculture uh, below Bordeaux. And uh, the rest of vineyards. And in the vineyards, today, as AOC vineyards, you've got about 115 hectares of vineyards AOC Bordeaux, in which you have 54 different appellations. Bordeaux, Bordeaux Supérieur, Côte de Bordeaux, uh, Côte de Bourg, Côte de Blaye, etc., etc., Côte de Castillon, comme les miens, and you have uh, Le Médoc, Les Graves, Pessac, Léonien, Saint-Emilion, Pomerol, etc., 54, whatever. We don't need to spend all that time for the 20, 54 of them. Um, and of course, um, the development of the viticulture during the period of the 80s to the 2000s um, was as, um, so important on the economic side that many wineries on the Entre-de-Mer area stopped the polyculture and concentrated the activity only on the vineyards. That's where the money came from. That's the, that's the best answer. <laughs> and they became also a professional of viticulture because uh, most of the time uh, those wineries were either a part of cooperatives or they were making... Oh, thank you. <laughs> they were making um, some uh, 
uh, Bordeaux bulk for the wine merchant. The wine merchant being a very important actor of the quality for the wine of Bordeaux because uh, uh, the wine merchant is blending the, the wines of different areas to make good good wines. But uh, uh, in fact, you're totally right. In uh, one of the axles of the uh, sustainable vineyards of Bordeaux, one of the points which came up very easily is the monoculture. I mean, it's quite obvious here because the land is so flat. I mean, you just I look and you have these hundreds and hundreds of meters and then you see a tree somewhere. <laughs> it depends where you are. If yeah. you go in, a, in a, some area uh, with, your, um, with your truck, if you go in the area of Entre-de-Mer in some points, or in some points yeah, of Saint there, there are hills. Yeah, it, it's going to be lots of hills. Yes, yes. Um, uh, you, you just have slight, uh, slightly gentle slope on Saint Emilion and Pomerol. You know, it's we are on the on the slope going down to the Dordogne River, mm. uh, so it's very special. Except La, La Côte de Saint Emilion, which is just uh, 100 meters behind us, um, where you can have vineyards like this. Uh, but in my Côte de Castillon, my vineyards are like this. Very accidentally. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the the thing with monoculture is, if if we talk about the environmental impact of any kind of agriculture, monoculture is by far the worst thing you can do to your country because when when the insects or the fungi they don't have anything else to eat but your grape, you have to fight them the hardest. That's a very good remark, and um, we uh, I, I I I imagine you you. Uh, You will understand that we work on that point for a long time, and especially on the technical part of the CIVB, uh, we do actually uh, spend a certain amount of money on those points because we are aware of that point, um, which is totally logical. Um, uh, polyculture still exists a little bit on the east of the department and the south east and the south. Um, but it's rare. It's not a majority, absolutely. Um, this activity is having many troubles and could have very much impact when it's on slopes, if the soils are uh, effectively, uh, eventually um, de-weed, mechanically uh, de-weed, etc., etc., uh, erosions, uh, etc. I mean, the impact globally is negative. So um, we are uh, reintroducing with loads of energy and lots of money um, the... Uh, Uh, plantations of uh, uh, trees and um, uh, flower flower plants um, in between the plots of vineyards, uh, in between the uh, uh, the little rivers, um, to reuse the the wineries uh, to recreate some micro um, uh, some micro uh, climates. You know, because um, we, with lots of research, we realized that um, ripping off everything, making only vineyards without any um, l l l any um, uh, natural so uh, the, you're obstacle biotopes yeah. somehow. Yes. Um, we are making the um, local um, uh, life of. Uh, Insects, birds, um, uh, bats, etc. Uh, their environment, their, their environment for for living is becoming more fragile and fragile, and uh, this is having many impacts. 
um, this, uh, the, 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 the rare um, presence of some um, uh, types of birds, of bats or whatever. Um, the um, um, probable uh, and real uh, impact of a healthy activity of insect, which are actually necessary uh, for the general environment, but also for a protection of the vineyards, because uh, I'm not using any uh, I mean any uh, insecticide in my vineyards, and I don't have any problems with uh, red spiders who can impact the vines. I don't have any problems um, with oedemis uh, uh, or cochilis, uh, which are uh, you know uh, worms uh, eating the the grapes. Uh, but I'm not using any spraying, but I'm making sure, especially in my Côte de Castillon, because I've got the space, that uh, you have got trees and plants everywhere who can, you know, be necessary for the uh, development of those insects. And we also, uh, so for example, you will see just next door, actually, we are actually planting some, uh, we, we just uh, uh, de-weeded the soils to replant some, uh, some, uh, some trees uh, against the vineyards. But it also helps for other points. And uh, uh, when the frost is coming with the wind, uh, this is actually uh, breaking the uh, cold, the cold sense of the wind. So it's necessary. And um, if the old guys fifty years ago did do so, um, we probably destroyed all this without consideration of 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 the future, because we, you know. Again, I'm coming back to that horse. It was complicated to get to take all this with the horse, but keep, people were skip, were keeping it because it was bringing some uh, some cool places during the summertime to the animals. It was uh, cutting the wind during the winter. It was etc. etc. When you take everything off, uh, you realize that some plots actually are sensitive to the uh, uh, to the frost. That some area are very much impacted by some insects uh, while they were not in the past, etc, etc. So uh, we realized that the only way uh, as uh, uh, such vineyards like Bordeaux, Cognac, uh, La, Ch La Champagne uh, can behave is that they have to bring back all those uh, uh, old logical agricultural uh, behaving. I will call that good sense. Le bon sens agriculteur. C'est, in French, the agricultural good behaving. The logical behaving. If you were doing what you can do by hand in one day, you will probably do the things, the things very much differently than when you have a robot or a tractor with 100 horsepower. So we've got to consider that our environment is not made for this behaving. So we've got to adapt back to what the environment needs and not the other way around. Yeah, I mean, if, if we see that we have more uh, robotization in the vineyards and when you look at other parts of our ecosystem where robotization is intense, for example, the inside of uh, shipment warehouses, mm. this is not where you want to live. No. And if we... <laughs> put those robots all around us and create a world that is perfect for them, we will live in basically such a... Robot. <laughs> robot 
world, which is the idea. Strange. Absolutely, the idea is probably um, coming to uh, you know uh, the well balance. Um, uh, it's uh, we'll not have a, a reflection of politics because it's not the time and not the question. But uh, there is not the right solution or the left solution. There is probably something better for everybody and for everything, approximately in the middle. A little bit on the right, a little bit on the gauche, a little bit forwards, a little bit backwards. We, it's our job, our job as um, agricultural uh, uh, professionals, uh, to take in consideration the environment and what needs the environment to keep um, a good balance for the living. And the living is not only, as you say, for robotization, it's not only the comfort of our workers and our comfort. It's the comfort of what is necessary for the life to be balanced around us. And this is probably very important. Um, you know, um, uh, in, the, um, in the CIVB, uh, during four years, the four past years, we invested some quite large amount of money with the French Association, which is um, uh, National Protection uh, of Birds. So they, they are, you know, protecting birds, bats and everything like that. And we, um, we financed a project to find out, I will get to the conclusion after, to find out uh, how many types and um, uh, family of bats are living in general in the border vineyards, where, how they are living, and are they useful for the vineyards. And I mean, you can be sure that there have been much more and they were heavily decreased by now and we discovered two <laughs> things the first thing is that they are fragile <laughs> okay. so this kind of research you know uh, for somebody who's engaged for the environment and life it's something logical to hear well of course they are fragile yeah, idiot but, okay <laughs> so they found out wine contains water but we find yes. out why our activity can be involved uh, can involve some uh, bad conditions for the bats so i mean the the obvious thing would be i would say okay if you spray herbicides on insects and the bats eat the insects they immediately get poisoned i know uh, actually like they they did analysis uh, during four years dejections of bats and things like that uh, no impact on the um, uh, on the uh, the insecticides oh, okay because less uh, insecticide. I guess if we did the same research 10 or 20 years ago, could have been different. Only the resistant bats survived. <laughs> no, no, we, they, they find the same amount of uh, population. Oh, okay. Um, but we discovered and uh, many things uh, for the people who didn't know anything about bats. You know, the, the point is not we discovered things about bats. It's not the point. The deal about this type of research is to bring the information to the viticulture, to the activity, to the people, to the so wineries. So bringing awareness to... Hey, people, look, we've done that research. We know now that the bats, you can bring them a little house attached to a tree. They won't care. Stop doing this. If you had an old building in the countryside, let it down. Bats love it. Do that. If you do realize that you have lots of cochilisodemis, you know, the... the The flies who actually um, put their eggs on the grapes ah, and yes, then yes. they become worms. Um, well, you have to know that the bats could eat more than 30% of them. 
during the night. So they like living in the vineyards for that point, as long as you don't destroy everything with insecticides. <laughs> so when you bring those information to people, you make people connected to the environment, you know. Uh, it's general knowledge, general information. So this money is spent for the, for, for the council, but it's intelligently spent, be, be spent because we can bring some some knowledge about the environment to people and to the wineries and to the people working in the vineyards the day after because um, uh, many people discovered that bats could have only one baby per year. Most of the people, when uh, I brought the result of the research into the meeting around the countryside, said, no, no, bats, they are like uh, mouses, you know, they do loads of babies. No, 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 mm. just one. Don't, don't worry about overpopulation of bats. So and for the people here who want to know another quite fun fact about bats, which I discovered just recently, if you Google any kind of bats and you see those pictures of them hanging and you turn the picture 180 degree, they look pretty gangster. Just do it and <laughs> look for yourself. It's the most fun thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> off topic over. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a funny point. I will try. Yeah, will for try. sure. I, I, you need to. It's, it's on, amazing. On the point, well, that's an example uh, about to answer your, your question about uh, monoculture. I think those uh, topics are necessary to teach our people It's and, a, a matter of awareness, actually. And the last point, uh, for example, is the, to give you an example. In this winery, we will try, we are trying actually at the moment, some um, use of the uh, terroir. Uh, I'm explaining, this is not very clear. The idea is to show that we can produce AOC premium wines and in the same time, we could field, we could feed the people around. So we are actually producing Wait, some at carrots. The same time? Ah, feed, not field. feed. Feed, the feed. Feed. Ah, yes. Okay. So, for example, we are growing some carrots in some Saint-Emilion Grand Cru fields in between the lines. Between the lines, um, not very often, but we are trying to do this since a year, and we are actually um, becoming to have some results. But the idea is to experiment, you know, the activity of polyculture, not to make money. The idea is to, um, for, for the moment, it's to show that we can do the same things in the same place, respecting the same project, the same project as the uh, uh, organic philosophy. And uh, uh, this uh, production carrot, for the moment, is given to the schools because it's organic and it's funny. But um, uh, lots of projects like this are in the vineyards today. Lots of projects like this. Very, there is a good dynamic really in Bordeaux. Yeah, and I mean, what's what's also what needs to be considered if uh, you, as you or you as the listener, are one of the first persons in your area to do um, progressive stuff like this, you get press attention. Like people will talk about it, and this is yeah, good well. for sales. So it is, but it is, yeah. Uh, yeah. You will notice if you go on internet that we still don't have a, a website because we didn't have time in this winery. So it's a bit the idea, you know, of uh, being engaged and after communicate. Um, I'm doing the other way around because it's my philosophy. It's not, it's not my marketing target. Uh, we don't even write on our boxes that we are organic. It's just on the label. Mm. You know, um, I wanted people also to consider that my engagement is honest and not commercial. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, in a sense, uh, the whole idea of uh, you have to 
communicate a lot if people are not convinced by themselves. And I would say uh, we we leave it by that with the hard topics. We have this amazing glass of red wine, the Saint-Emilion Grand Cru by Chateau. I will read it again. Grasse Chateau, La Grasse Font Razade. And uh, maybe you can just explain a little bit about the red wine and how it is done. And uh, maybe also tell a bit about the action steps you did in your winery. You, you just explained to me when I came in. And with this, we will wrap up. And uh... Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for your comment about our wine. It's always pleasant to hear. I'm very uh, sensible to that. Um, La Grasse for Azad. It's uh, the first Saint-Emilion I ever drink in my life. All right. I, I'm very glad to, to hear you uh, uh, saying it's a good experience. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a good information to hear. It's, it's pleasant. The, the deal is... Um, you know, uh, this wine is, is like we, we, we are liking to be. Um, we are producing a reasonable yield per hectare. So uh, it's a, almost uh, 30 hectoliters to 35 hectoliters um, uh, per hectare. Uh, so it's almost 4,000 bottles per hectare. It's not a very high lead, uh, yield. Uh, the deal is... Yeah, I, I try to uh, get what you mean by reasonable... <laughs> Yeah, we're not producing, uh, you know, uh, eight thousand bottles or yes. ten thousand bottles per hectare. Um, I mean, for for such a nice wine, I, I know why. Technically, I mean, I'm a winemaker myself. But is it much for this region, or are there others who even go way lower? No, we are like the Grand Cru Classé. Uh, okay. We are in the same philosophy of production. Uh, my great, well-known uh, neighbors. Uh, do the same yields for uh, very much more expensive bottles yep, and yep. very great wines. The deal is always the same. You know, you have to take in consideration a very good balance between the plant and its capacity, the soils and the, the necessity uh, of feeding a plant, and the yield you want to get out of this. So if you want to ask too much to a plant regarding a type of terroir of soils, you will probably get uh, balanced wines. Uh, if you're very uh, attached to keep a very good balance between the yield and the capacity of a, a clayly, ironed, um, uh, lightly sandy soils, uh, you will make exceptional wines, but maybe not with uh, eight bottles per eight thousand bottles per hectare, definitely. Uh, the second thing is the attention you will carry on the uh, on the on the work on the vines, which is, I mean, uh, because your uh, your your interview is is uh, uh, listened by some professionals. Everybody knows that um, we can make different types of wine. You can make wine with money. You can make you can make money with wine. I mean, you can do many things with wine. The thing is that if you want to if you want to make something very good. You've got to make um, a good technical uh, management of uh, the production. If you want to make something premium, you've got to give more. The details I was talking about at the beginning uh, in, of the interview early on. The deal is always the same. Um, um, luxury product is the attention you carry to the details. In wine, it's the same thing. So uh, the maturity of our Saint-Emilion Grand Cru, La Grasse Morazade, is something we uh, carry pre-intentions with lots of energy. Um, we will cut the, the bunches of grapes where our, which are too much in in, in each other's. Uh, we will take the leaves out of the grapes 
to let the light get to the grapes uh, on the uh, uh, sunset. We will make sure um, that the... Um, so the eastern facing the... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. We will make sure that because this, the, the west side is too hot sometimes, you can burn the fruits. Um, and we will make sure as well that the um, uh, vivacity of the plant, I mean, the... Um, um, the energy of the of the vine is not too much uh, important. Make sure you don't carry too much nitrogen, for example, because you don't want the grapes to have big fruits mm. with very tight bunches. You want to have small fruits with very aerated bunches. So the fruits are very, you know, dense. And when you eat them, it's something which is breaking your mouth and the skin is tight but not green very uh, uh, jammy you know something very uh, dense and uh, thick uh, uh, thick skin and um, we will be attention all those points very much and when we are picking by hand uh, the sorting will we will be um, a very important uh, uh, stage because uh, on the first wine in some difficult vintages uh, where the maturity can be, uh, you know, irregular, we will sort out up to 30% of the first wine, if necessary. In a very good vintage like this one, it's 2016, almost 90% of the fruits uh, were going through the uh, optical sorting. So, um, Emile Penot, which is the father of the analogy, said, bring me a good grape, uh, we'll maybe make a good wine. Bring me a bad grape, and we will not sure I'll be able to make wine. <laughs> so everything is made outside. The winemaker's got a very high responsibility to make sure the raw material becomes a great wine. Uh, but if the passion is in the cellar, I don't think there's much worries. Um, uh, those wines are made um, with lots of prayer attention. We are tasting the wines very uh, much every day. We have a very performant uh, winery, which is very modern. We uh, even have some uh, uh, very modern um, um, traceability system with the RFID um, labels on the tanks, on the palms, etc. But uh, this doesn't make good wines. This is helping us to realize why we might really, really make good wines. Um, then you have the, the barrel aging. Well, we use different barrel makers. As I said to you earlier, we are trying to make sure our barrels are not coming from too far away. Um, but we do um, uh, put our wines in barrels without blending the vines, the, the, the wines. So... Is this unusual? Yeah, quite very, quite unusual for, for Bordeaux. Bordeaux is a blending uh, area. Yeah, but um, I thought the blending was done after the Absolutely. maturation. I, I do the blending after the aging in barrels. So when I put my wines in barrels, they are still uh, by plots, in fact. Mm -hmm. By plots of... So you can sort the barrels by how they develop? When, uh, 20 months later, when we are tasting the wines to uh, confirm the uh, blendings, we actually taste, uh, with a blind, blinding, uh, blinded mm. tasting, we actually taste all the barrels, one each other's, 
and uh, uh, we make sure we are blending the good ones together and, uh, and the, the rest is making the second wines. I heard a guy, um, I, I must get him for the international podcast, he's called uh, Martin Darting, he's uh, a wine consultant in Germany and he's one of those persons that has, um, I think it's called anesthesia, I'm not sure, it's when... Uh, he, he drinks and he sees colors, so it's mixed up with him uh, a bit uh, how he perceives things, and so he, he he can connect taste to colors and to shapes, and this makes uh, his way of uh, degustation very very special, and this he's he's amazing, and um, he told me when he comes to Bordeaux he always buys the second wine because this is what really shows what the winemaker. Yeah. can do and the first wine is more made for parker points and stuff like this well it's um i don't, i like the approach really i think it's um it's um something um i like the deal i like the idea i i i think it's healthy behaving uh making uh, a certi uh, certified point on the idea that the first wine is, is made for sort of um, uh, Robert Parker idea. I will not agree so much, but it could be in some winery. Uh, I agree in the general idea, but I don't think it's, it's really always the case. But it's probably true that the second wine is a very good representative of the capacity of the winery because... Um, As long as the winery doesn't have six wines, <laughs> you will find in the second wine the general philosophy of the winery. That's that's probably the truth. And it's the truth in my winery, definitely. In the first wine, you find the best plots, the best terroir. Uh, for example, I've got some plots of vines in the middle of some first Grand Cru Glacé. Uh, so I do... I do have the benefits of some very great terroir, some very great sows. So it is uh, almost normal to expect to have some very good premium wines. But in the same time, um, it, it is not always the case. Uh, what I mean is that sometimes on those uh, plots of vines, which are supposed to be exceptional, I do uh, trans trans transfer them to the second wine because they're either too strong, too powerful, too tannic or maybe too flower flowerly or or too or too whatever uh, they they don't always have you know what you need for a, a really great red wine which is a very full well-bodied balanced wine what is good in a red wine is when you have a very good attack with soft tannins but powerful tannins uh, some very um, nice fruits Uh, of maturity, so something slightly jammy but not too much, um, a mouth which is giving you the impression of some smooth but still strong red wine, uh, which is bringing some aromas and some complexity when you're drinking it, and something which is not drying, your, drying out your mouth when you uh, are swallowing the red wine. A well red-bodied wine is something which brings you pleasure from the beginning to the end, really. And um, the second wine, when you realize some vintages when we are trying the, the blendings, we do realize after the blending that we made the first wine, which is logically corresponding to the origins of plots. And 
you have all the rest of the cellar because we have little wineries on the side as well so we're making all the wines but for the second wine of La Grasse Morazade you, you put all this into the, the the sample and you taste it and with my colleagues we go wow wow it's, it's very pleasant it's very good in fact and I sell lots of wine to um, a very uh, difficult and very professional buyer from Belgium who is supposed to be one of the best uh, taster uh, in the world and this guy is is tasting the wines like you know he's is great he's not easy to manage but he's great and when he's tasting the first one he says super but it's time but it's super and we taste the second wine and he goes great great it's 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 got the complexity we're wait, we're expecting from saint emilion but it's giving pleasure sometimes you people talking to me he says you are searching for a complex situation but just think pleasure that's enough mm -hmm. okay and the last thing um since i'm in saint emilion and i drink, drink the first saint emilion wine what is uh, saint emilion typical for I mean, Saint-Emilion, um, the terroir uh, are, you have three general types of terroir, but they all bring to one general uh, type of wine uh, because they are supposed to be mixed together. Is it also mainly Merlot here? Oh, yeah. And Cabernet Franc. So this is Merlot and Cabernet Franc? You have Merlot and Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon. <coughs> yeah, I do have some Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, actually, I'm replanting some Cabernet Sauvignon. Also, because I anticipate a little bit um, the climate. You know, Cabernet Sauvignon with good maturity is exceptional. And uh, I, 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 it's very bad new, I think, but I believe the uh, climate is getting heater. So um, we do um, have at Saint-Emilion, uh, uh, let's say, three major type of soils, which all together are bringing one Uh, really classical um, personality of our wines, which is a little cousin of Pomerol. Uh, Saint-Emilion is supposed to bring very um, complex, accessible uh, tannins uh, on very well-matured Merlot and Cabernet Franc, because those soils are very, very good for maturing the Merlot and the Cabernet Franc more than the clay this has way more tannins than i'm used to when i drink merlot oh, yeah. is it the cabernet franc maybe the cabernet franc it yeah. has more tannins than merlot it could have uh, different vintages in 2016 the cabernet franc were were quite strong but well balanced maybe the cabernet sauvignon in our vintage ah, okay. mm. uh, and uh, you're supposed to have a good density saint-emilion you're supposed to have a good structure really uh, with some Uh, I will not say soft tannins, but we're still in Bordeaux, you know. So our wines need a bit of time, um, but it's supposed to be elegant. Mm. And in, Fr in French, one of the uh, search uh, of uh, definitions we could give to Saint-Emilion is velouté, du velour. You know, something very soft, something mm. strong, but soft, very complex, but very pleasant to drink. When aged, not when young. Not when aged, but uh, you don't need to keep the Saint-Emilion uh, 15 years to drink them now. It was the case in the 80s. Now, after five, six years, you start be able to drink them. Uh, but uh, uh, it will depend regarding the vintage. Uh, 2016 is good to drink today, but I think it's too young 
what we are tasting today. It will better in uh, in ten years time or six years, I guess. Sure, yeah. And in six years time, it will be a real, real great bottle. Yeah. It is already. Yeah. And uh, thanks a lot for inviting me and for having such a long conversation. Oh, it's a pleasure. You're welcome. You want to guess how long we did? Uh, two hours and, uh, and a half, something like that. Two hours, 15. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, one of the longest episodes I ever did, but um, I think it was worth it. And there's much ground uh, we had to cover. And thank you. No, no, it's uh, it's a pleasure. You know, I, I like... Uh, You know, I like very much one of the pleasure of our job is uh, probably the human contact. So uh, it's really, uh, and and that subject is is I think um, uh, a healthy project. You know, sometimes we you talk about greenwashing. I guess my colleagues in marketing, La RSA, La RSA, La RSA the sustainable yes. uh, Bordeaux involvement. I guess some of my uh, colleagues in uh, marketing could talk about greenwashing sometimes, but. Uh, Uh, we do, we do carry another idea because today, um, when you're um, when you're carrying the uh, the project of a, of a, of a, of a group of six thousand companies, we want to show uh, you know transparency and honestly and honesty. We don't want to to sell any greenwashing because greenwashing is something which can burn. You know. Yeah, it's it's um uh, it's the lighter you you switch on, without knowing if you're gonna burn the whole house or just keep the the light in your hands. So um, I did accept that mission for my colleagues only for one reason is, we do it seriously and we involved in the project, or is it only greenwashing, and we voted, in uh, because we fought in the bureau of the CIVB. And uh, uh, we voted at 95% saying, no, we we involved in it. And the wine merchants, which are the most marketed businesses, uh, voted on almost at 99%, almost at 100%. Now, that's impressive. And uh, I hope we will uh, meet again and talk again in some years because I am planning to come back to Bordeaux and I would like to see what happened in the meantime. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good uh, uh, good rendezvous. I'm taking it, and I I, I hope uh, we will spend uh, still two hours on the project <laughs> and spending uh, uh, this well exchange on on the on these points. No, no, it's really important, and I uh, I really wish us to uh, to make it a success. Alors, merci beaucoup, François Thomas, et au revoir. Thank you, Diego. Have a good good trip. Now, that was fun and it was exhausting. I think it's uh, very important to note that um, I'm not trying to, to paint a wrong picture of Bordeaux. I'm very impressed by what the people are doing here and how they are doing it. And I know that uh, the problems and the sustainability, sustainability topics are the same everywhere, all around the world, in every vineyard. Uh, it just happens <laughs> that I'm here and that I can talk about them here. So uh, do not get the picture that I'm trying to... Uh, slap Bordeaux with um, my questions. Um, on the other hand, I'm, I'm trying to raise controversial topics and see how the winemakers uh, react to them, what strategies they use, what strategies they apply, and how they want to uh, make a more sustainable wine growing in Bordeaux and what kind of land, what kind of philosophy of winemaking they want to pass on to the next generation of wine growers. From my perspective, 
Francois Thomas. He is really, really amazing. He is a hands-on guy. He's super fun to talk to. And uh, I would uh, yeah, really um, encourage you to go and visit his chateau if you can. I mean, uh, just get in contact with him. Uh, his wines are amazing and he's such a fun guy to talk to. And as always, if you enjoyed conversations like these, please share them with a friend.